Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of One Vision. Since this is going to be the last episode of 2022, I figured we'll do something different that we had never done before. We're going to have four ladies on the show. This is FinTech, by the way, the, the year and date that yesterday I still see a menu of six men talking about the future of open finance and open banking. So I figured, why don't we do something different? We'll have four amazing people on the show and we just all happen to be women. So um, actually we have Barb and Stephanie and Mary and all of them, all of you listeners should be very familiar with because they have all been co-hosting here and there and they are just brilliant people from different places. Actually, I just realized we are all calling in from different locations. So we have Barb who is joining us from Wendy Pack. Hi, Barb. Hey, everyone. I'm so happy you invited me back, Theo. I am so psyched you can join us today. And then we have Stephanie from Atlanta. Good morning, everyone. So excited to be here. Yippee. And finally, last but not least, we have Mary, who just got back from her adventure, and she is calling in from sunny California. Sunny out? Yeah. <laughs> A little sunny. <laughs> I'm gentle hazy. Hi, Hi, everyone. You used to have the sun and you have the warmth, so come on, it'll be fun. So, Bart, what's new with you? Well, I'm starting off on a new adventure with um, some friends actually in the Northwest. So I don't want to say it publicly yet, but I hopefully after the episode is out, uh, people can tune in on all the various social places that I hang out and I'll say more. That will be the um, treasure hunt. <laughs> when the episode comes out. What about you, Stephanie? Hi. So 2022 has been a very interesting year. Um, I ended up being a casualty of startup layoffs this year. So I've been taking a little bit of a backseat and just enjoying my time with my two kids. I have a, a six-year-old and an eight-year-old. So I've been playing mommy for a while, um, and I'm really excited for the holidays. This is a big milestone birthday for me, happening in a few weeks, so I'm excited. Happy Yay. birthday. And almost happy birthday, yes. And for those of you who are listening, I'm sure that you will be looking for people and brilliant people, may I say. So please do get in touch with Stephanie. And Mary, what's new with you? I mean, it's hard to say really, but um, I'd say the last two months or so, I've been doing some freelance work, um, uh, still for the industry, and I've been judging a weekly uh, video podcast, uh, video cast, as Theo dubbed it, um, called, and that's Benedict, <laughs> called Fintech Uncut, um, sort of irreverent, but um, hopefully smart, smart um, take on the news of the week. Yes, in that's what he's saying. And so I throw my dog's ball as well. Oh, hey, Benedict. Um, but it's it's fun, though. It do do tune in. It, it's actually hilarious. Uh, you get to hear uh, Mary and Andrew and uh, Chris and Rick. And Rick, yes, right, yeah. right. So and definitely, I, say, I, I am taking a full time job, but it doesn't start till January. So, okay, another treasure hunt right there, folks. When you guys do listen in, do follow them and figure out what's next for them. And yes, before I forget, do sign up for Barb's playlist, which is now residing on LinkedIn. 
right? It's it still is. coming out. Yes, it's yeah. amazing. It's it's loads of fun. And I think it's getting longer and longer and longer too. It used to be, it would be like half an hour for me to glimpse through all the articles and listen to the music. And then it was like 45 minutes and now it's like an hour and it's now occupying my entire Saturday morning, which is fine. It's wonderful. We need that. We need that break. Um, so let's go straight in. I have a few questions for you guys. The first one is, what is the one myth-busting item that we want to bring up for 2022? What's new? What do we find? I'll go. And it actually is maybe a good launching off point, considering we're all over the place here in North America. And maybe, I don't know, Steph's maybe in the closest place that we would all call a fintech hotbed in Atlanta. Um, there's nothing hot about Winnipeg right now, I can tell you that for sure. But I thought one um, topic we could talk about here in terms of busting some myths is that fintech only happens in some of the places you would typically think about, London or New York or some of these larger urban centers. This year I had the opportunity to meet uh, the CTO of an organization here in Canada called One Feather. And they're from Victoria, British Columbia. It's actually right out on Vancouver Island, so kind of the, some of the most westerly parts of Canada. And they provide access to dedicated Indigenous banking solutions and digital sovereign ID and digital voting for the communities that they serve across the nation. So I encourage you to check them out at onefeather.ca, but it was a really great opportunity that I really enjoyed this year. I thought I'd use this forum to help highlight the great work that they're doing, but it's a really good example of um, fintech can happen anywhere and it is happening everywhere. And so shout out to the folks in, in Victoria. Oh, I like that. I love that. That is, that is perfect. Oh my goodness. Um, that is wonderful. So one feather.ca that nice. is their site. Thank you. All right, Stephanie, what about you? So I think I think it's really interesting um, that you brought that up, Barb. As I was as I was thinking through um, just everything that I've experienced this year, like conferences I've attended, folks that I've connected with, um, and you're absolutely right, right? Um, fintech doesn't only happen in the major hubs: New York, Silicon Valley, Atlanta, London. It happens everywhere. Um, for example, like Charlotte, not too not too far from where I am, is a becoming a big a bigger not just banking hub, but also fintech hub as well. Um, so my big myth-busting um, topic that I wanted to bring up was a little bit opposite of what you just said. Um, we've been hearing a lot that, you know, every company is a fintech company or every company will become a fintech company at some point. And that's something that really grinds my gear as a fintech purist. Um, and that, yeah, I understand that, you know, the likes of the Ubers and the Amazon have all launched their all financial products over the last few years. They're looking at improving customer experience. Um, you know, we're developing these super apps where you can do everything from one app, from the ordering, the paying, the scheduling, et cetera, the delivering. Um, but I still believe that even if a company is launching financial products to improve the customer experiences, I mean that they're fintech. Right. To me, to be to be qualified as a fintech, more than 50 percent of your revenue needs to be coming from your financial products. Otherwise, you are not a fintech. Uh, you are a company that is uh, creating different products to help your customer 
um, have a better experience. And that's just my kind of personal take. <laughs> That is an interesting one. I think I can think of a few folks I can bounce this off with because that's one thing we all we often talk about is what is a fintech, um, and that definition, if you will, is becoming broader and broader to the point does even make sense for us to quantify, qualify companies as fintech. So, right, we can probably make an episode out of that next year. Um, Mary, what about you? Okay, I love I love both of those. Um myth best. And um, so to go in a different direction, you know, my mind's been on bank marketing more recently because I was at a couple of conferences where that's the theme. And so, you know, I'll do one serious and one less serious, but still serious. Um, you know, this conference circuit and last few months have really, you know, the CEO always talks. It's usually about like financial health. We're doing X, Y, Z, money is so important, yada, yada, yada. A week later, later you know, that same CEO will do ton of layoffs and i just think um very disingenuous to give like that kind of speech and then then do that as your next act um it makes me hard to believe um your words you know as a journalist as an outsider so that's one i would um i would say uh, not that you're lying but you're being pretty disingenuous um and the second one is you know, I was at the Financial Brand Forum, and I've already talked about this in another podcast, but, um, you know, it was all on marketing, like the challenge of making yourself interesting as a bank brand, um, you know, under compliance. But there was like a couple of standout things I noticed, like smaller institutions trying different things. And one was like a smaller, um, smaller bank. I have to, I have to remember the name. I will, and I'll throw it in um, when I tweet this out, but, um, you know, they employ a chief fund officer and that person is tasked with like doing video content for them. And I thought that was really interesting. And this one, I don't know how I, I feel about it, but I do feel like it's very unusual. There's, um, there's a credit union out of San Francisco that is running a YouTube campaign, um, kind of being, it's, it's saying it's a side bank. So it's going like, it's trying to be, it's, it's, sexual so it's trying to be very sexual but then you click on the website it's very standard um so it's just i think you know banks and credit unions get this reputation of like very standard marketing but every now and then you see like a real unusual thing going on and i think um you know that's just something to keep in mind i like that i think i remember that short video that you posted after the conference so um, and along with that, I want to give a shout out to Jim Perry. I never met him in person until that same conference. And I have to say, he is even more thoughtful and wonderful and marvelous um, than I ever thought he would be. I mean, not that he wasn't um, with the interaction we've had and, and he came on the show, but in person, oh my God, like I... I could literally spend a whole week talking to, to, to Jim and picking his brain and it was just amazing and wonderful. So here's a shout out to you, Mr. Perry. And um, I, I agree. Know, right. <laughs> I and he has all these amazing ideas and, and we were sharing ideas on like, you know, what, what credit unions, that was what brought me to, to this, um, his comments about credit unions, community banks and what they can do more 
for their demographics of people, there's a whole lot more of things going on out there. And folks, if you're listening, please do reach out to Jim. He is an amazing guy. Um, my one myth busting um, that I want to talk about, I want to bring up, um, and I, I did that a little bit recently, is it's not always consumer's fault. Uh, in, especially in the last few weeks, every time when I got asked to join a discussion and interview, um, people wanted to get a quote and whatnot, it always starts with, what did consumers do wrong? That was always the question I got asked. Knowing that mortgage debt is increasing, knowing that credit card debt is increasing, inflation and, and what have you, people always say, so Theo, what did consumers do wrong? And that's the one thing I wanna say, it's not always their fault. Um, there are a lot of things that are outside of people's control. And I would throw this back and say, are we giving people the right data for them to act? Are we giving them the right data at the right time to act? Are we giving them the right data at the right time with the right tool to make the right decisions? So if you are in a position to be that, to do that for your customers, please do. You can't always blame people who are sick because they didn't do something right. Um, there's another side to the coin. All right. So next two things that caught your eye this year, Mary, you want to keep going? Mm, I can keep going. Okay. Well, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is the last podcast we did together, which was stellar. So I think, you know, rethinking underwriting, um, to help people hopefully boost their credit score and that's a company that, um, you know, someone can track their bill payments, like, you know, their Netflix, but also the surprising one. I remember Theo, he said like only fans, even, you know, like as long as you're paying that stuff on time, um, you know, you can, you can improve your credit score. So that, that was something that really struck, um, struck me, let's say. Um, so that's one, let me get back to you on two. I want to like hear the, hear the others and then, um, settle on my second. <laughs> All right, Barb. Next. So my next one is something that I'm actually hoping maybe you all can contribute to a little bit. Um, this seemed like it was the year of the return of in-person conferences. Uh, I personally didn't get to any, uh, but you know, Finnovate, Financial Brand, you've talked about Money 2020, of course, um, is another big one and certainly other ones globally as well. But I think my question is, are we just returning to sort of the ways it used to be? or especially for any of you that had an opportunity to actually be there in person do you think that these kind of experiences have been reimagined in a way to present new opportunities right i don't think we want to just go back to doing the way we used to do what do you think having been at some of those conferences this year oh i would i would say you know like i still think they were well funded this year probably um probably won't be the case next year i think um so you from my perspective, it was sort of like the same things. I mean, striking things like over the top things at times, you know, this or that singer appearing, um, um, typical kind of panels. I don't know, Theo, you probably have more of a, a wider perspective on this. <laughs> you can't see this, but she's making a face that implies she's not impressed. <laughs> I, is it, is it really bad if I get smacked and say it, it is still business as usual and it almost as if the industry is completely tone deaf as to what people want and need? I'm going to get killed later, right? Um, 
and we, we have your back. Don't worry. <laughs> and and there's a couple of things, Mary. I, I do I do agree. Um, it they do seem very very well funded. Um, to the point, it's like you walk into these venues, right? Often glitzy, often um, very well decorated. Even in those that with sustainability themes in mind, what they do is you see a bunch of green booths, but guess what? There's still be champagne flowing. Um, they're not green though. Maybe that's what they'll do next year. But um, other than that, it's, it's still the same. It's still, unfortunately, a lot of the same panels even, same discussions, same conversations, same question as to, should banks and fintechs partner together? Gosh, how often have we been talking about that for years now? Um, why are we still asking that? Or even worse, things like, oh, you know, sustainability is really important. ESG is very important. Diversity inclusion is very important. Let's look around. Wait, you see a sea of men in blue suits, not even suits, blue suits. Um, I swear, they all secretly have some discount from some store somewhere. Uh, have we changed? Mary, you and I talked about this last time when we had dinner. I, I don't know if we have changed to the extent that we said we would change and not to the extent that we will need to change. Um, and that's reflected in the conversations we have. It's reflected on the people you put on stage. And it's also reflected in how we conduct ourselves. Um, so I do have to say, though, I, I have attended much less conference this year compared to before COVID. Um, I remember I used to be out every week. And uh, this year, I think I, I went to maybe five or six and I was utterly exhausted. I was mentally exhausted. Every time when I left, I asked, why did I do this? To the point I made a conscious decision when I came back from my last one, I said, I'm not going out for quite a few weeks. I'm staying home. Um, not that it wasn't nice to see people, it was always nice, right? Um, I would love to see the three of you in person right now, for example, but it has to mean something. It's not just, I want to be seen and I want to see. Um, that's not enough anymore. What do you think, Steph? Yeah, so I'm thinking about it like pre-COVID versus what I've experienced um, this past year at in-person conferences. And two things that really stood out to me um, is I've been saying, it's just like, Thinking back at my previous, like, event and marketing background back in the dark ages when we didn't have all this cool stuff in social media. Um, but I'm seeing, like, the rise of social media influencers to help promote events online. Like, that's become, like, a huge thing um, where folks, for example, have, have, you know, gotten opportunities to attend some of these conferences um, fully inclusive, like, all paid for in return for promoting the event online and promoting all the speakers and all the activities and they basically like flood your LinkedIn and your Twitter and offering free promo codes, right? Um, for discounts of the conference. So I'm seeing a rise of social media influencers as a way for companies to increase attendance to their, to their conference, which I don't know how you feel about that. Um, but then also I'm seeing a lot of, um, a lot more networking opportunities open up in between sessions to kind of like create a special guest experience outside of the panel room, which I love, right? They have like these like wellness stations now and the charging stations, um, podcast recordings happening in the corner. I've seen like free bookstore exchanges. Um, so a lot of like little experiences that are curated 
to help people congregate and network more at events in between sessions, which I personally, as a big networker, I personally love those little opportunities to connect with folks and make new friends in the process. Um, so I personally have enjoyed that kind of like new trend and events moving forward. Yeah, that's what, like, I think there's more activities, as you're saying, like the yoga that's happening more. Like, I love that because it gets so stuffy in the conference hotel scene. So like, yeah, there's more networking opportunities that are, um, I don't know, more my style, let's say. <laughs> I do like the videos that you shot though, Mary, um, the, the short clips, and I think it adds a different element to it, um, rather than, you know, just like your normal booths and people sitting there and twiddling their thumbs and trying to figure out how to make a pitch. Um, <laughs> I roped Jody from Personetics into my last booth hopping. I saw that. <laughs> Everyone's like, who are you people? I'm like, don't worry about it. I saw that. I actually went and booked them because the, the, the three of them that were sitting there, they're like, okay, all right. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to come bug you and say hi because you look bored. <laughs> um, and I don't know, Barb, are we going to see you next year somewhere on the circuit? Well, it would sure be nice. I mean, I said I didn't get to any conferences and that's maybe not true. I probably didn't get to any well-known conferences, but um, I think when things thaw out here, and my feet aren't frozen to the ground. Yeah, I would love to get out there and see a few people in person again. Yeah, that would be nice. I do remember a couple of years ago, and I have not been back to Money 2020 for a while, but um, the last time I was there, all I did was I just stood in the hallway and next thing you know, you just keep running into people. So I, I like um, serendipity. I like chance encounters. I like conversations more than I sit there and listen. I can't sit, I can't sit still. Um, so maybe that's just a personal thing. Um, what else? So the second thing I was thinking about this year was global impact. Um, you know, supply chain issues, war in Ukraine, climate crisis. And are we focusing enough on the impact of these topics on our own work? You know, sometimes do we actually think about how that trickles down and impacts FinTech or banking or whatever? particular slice you're working in, but also in reverse, how do the impacts of our local work eventually roll up to be global? And I read a quote about time travel and how when people think about the impact of time travel, you know, you're Marty McFly and you go back to 1955 and that one small action, that one specific event completely changes the course of future history. But in real life, then we don't worry about the same amount about the impact of like one little action that we have, or even better, you know, kind of that frequent daily habitual action and the impact that could have on the future. And especially if we're thinking about trying to make it better. So I think, you know, we'd all agree, hey, don't go back in time and, you know, screw things up. But why don't we think about it in the same way on how we can actually make things better? Um, so that was one thing, you know, that sort of caught my eye this year as well is how do we, uh, you know, have a view to what's happening in the world with a view of what's happening in our community and how do you actually gel them together? No, I really love that. As I, as I think about career wise, like what I want to do next and where I want to be, um, impact is one of the things that's really important to me. Like it's very important, uh, you know, to end up in a leadership role where I can make an impact, whether it's on the team I'm leading, the community I work and live in, or like on the world as a whole. 
Um, and that's one of the things that I love about FinTech is that there are so many opportunities for us to truly make impact. Um, you know, one of the, like one of the things that are dear and, near and dear to my heart, just being an immigrant um, that came to this country as a teenager, like working in money transfer for most of my career and just seeing how, you know, FinTech forget enabling, you know, folks who migrate to developing countries to be able to work, make money and send money back home to help other family members, friends, neighbors, pay their bills, pay for school, um, to help get them a better life. So as you mentioned, like impact is, it's something that I think all of us should be thinking about and how can we contribute to that in our day-to-day -day lives. And I, I think we're at such an important moment. You know, a lot of companies are like business as usual, economy is awful, so business as usual. But like, you know, if you think back at 2008, that crisis, like it was also, oh my gosh, this is such a moment in time um, where you could really create something um, useful um, at least and like profound at most to someone's, you know, future self. This is the time to build. Uh, yeah. There's no better time than now um, because this is also when you can make the biggest impact. This is when you have resources available. This is when we actually need to think and the work that we'll do will impact not just the people that we touch, but also people in their circle. It's, it's like a lot. We, we talk a lot about how when we fund a founder or their co-founder or the co-founding team. It's not just about funding that person. It's not just about saying, I believe you and I believe in your vision. It's also about everyone that work in that startup. It's about saying, hey, I am placing a bet on all of you guys. And hopefully, you know, they will be someone that others can aspire to. If you are funding an underrepresented founders, you are giving other people a chance and look up to that person and say, I could be that too. So it's, it's all about the impact is the ripple effect. And that was just wonderful. Thank you so much for, for the three of you to, to join, um, in for the show this morning. Cause that is one of the reason, um, why we, why we did the podcast is we want to bring different voices in here and if we could change the heart of mind of one person. And then that person can go on and change the hearts of mind and others. That's how we can create an impact change. Um, and to do that, uh, Barbara, I resonate with you on the future, um, what we do and how that impacts the future. And we can see how the last few years has changed how we work, where we work. Um, and that has driven a lot of changes in how we collaborate together. Um, I was thinking through that this morning, how the world changed from just a, uh, the, the phone calls, I, I forgot those conferencing companies. We used to use those. Um, and it wasn't that long ago to then all of a sudden everyone became a video call and then what's next. Right. And we went from, you know, I still love cash. Um, and we used a lot of cash in Hong Kong to when I went back to Hong Kong a couple of months ago, everything was Apple pay and digital. I mean, they still take cash, but it was, everything, even taxi driver, that was weird. They were taking um, digital payment. They were the last I thought they would ever do that. Um, 
And so, and now recently with, with the news of Robinhood coming out and say, hey, you know what? We are going to offer um, 1% match for people who want to do IRA with us because they recognize that the traditional retirement model in the US is not working anymore. People are moving to get work. We are not staying in one company. And oftentimes we don't have company sponsored retirement plans. So they're stepping up and say, perhaps we can do this and perhaps we can incentivize people to do it. So everything that we touch when it has to do with money is changing because we're changing how we work and where we work. And I hope that that is going to be a good trend uh, for good and evaluating credit. Um, Mary, as you said earlier with Stella, that is another way we are supporting how we are changing how we work. And hopefully with that, can we fix like the whole ageism and, you know, sexism and, and all of that, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, all right, so moving on, three predictions. We're doing one, two, three. So three predictions for next. Yeah. Three predictions, one being, I think it's just the media's one, all these, all these layoffs, right? Like, you know, what happens then at these fintech companies? Are they going, you know, what's their exit strategy? Are they selling to a bank? Happen to be working on a story about that. So like, um, I am very curious of like, you know, who is, who's, who's getting the talent, who's getting the technology. I wouldn't be surprised if a neobank, not a huge, not like a chime, but I wouldn't be surprised if like a neobank got acquired if the valuation lowered enough. Um, Cause I think banks are still very much eyes on the prize there. So that's, so that's one. Yeah, speaking of, speaking of neobanks, actually one of them, one of the things that I didn't want to talk about that caught my eye earlier this year um, was there, there's a digital banking platform slash neobank called Greenwood. Um, that is based here in Atlanta and they were founded by a civil rights leader, a rapper and um, the founder of Bounce TV. So they acquired um, another black owned company called The Gathering Spot. Um, and The Gathering Spot is like, a, they're a community of creatives, founders, entrepreneurs, professionals um and they provide like a co-working space so they have a club flagship in atlanta they have two others i think in new york and la as well um and they just provide this community this environment to support all of these professionals and creatives there's a restaurant on site a bar a co-working space everything that you need to like be successful right in your journey as a professional and i thought that was a really interesting combination of a fintech acquiring kind of a private community. And I'm really curious to just see how kind of how that plays out, um, leveraging the strengths of, of both groups. I, I think that's super interesting and slightly tangent, but you know, I think fintech yeah. is acquiring fintech companies will be more of a thing um, next year. And I don't think it's talked about too much. So I'm going to weigh in and predict that open banking does not become a thing in North America, at least not from the kind of government sponsored regulatory. We're way too slow here in Canada. I'll just stick up my hand and say we clearly can't get our act together. I know there's been some um, discussions as of, you know, later in the year in the US on, well, okay, maybe there needs to be some regulatory sponsored approach to that. So I'm going to weigh in and say it's not happening in 2023. Are we ruining people's <laughs> lives? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Barb.
Europe, you are going to be going counter to all the other people out there that says open banking is going to happen. But now I, I think I agree with you. <laughs> We're way too slow. <laughs> but something little will happen. <laughs> something little. We will be talking about it. Um, I think that is my prediction for next year. We'll still be talking about the same things. We need to change. We need to move faster. We need to look at sustainability, not that we hadn't looked at it before. We need to be more responsible when it comes to doing our credit. We need to be more responsible when it comes to using technology. Yep, all the same stuff. I bet you I can take out whatever I wrote five years ago and just change the date and give it to you, Barb. That would be my prediction for 2023. Um, sorry, I am very cynical today. I need to snap back. Um, anything else that- well, On the topic predict? of responsibility, um, yes. I predict we're going to come out of crypto winter having figured out that regulators are our friends. Oh, I like that. I like that. Now you're going to have a lot of crypto counter crypto bros <laughs> jumping on you. I, I do. I, I am fascinated. So I will be the first one to raise my hand and say, I don't know that space too well. I am trying to learn, which is why next year we're bringing on um, a new co-host, Max, who his expertise is digital assets. It's an area I, I don't, I mean, I dabble, but I don't know enough about to even talk about it. Um, it is fascinating, just like how people are talking about DeFi and how it will replace, that is a really strong word, um, banking. I don't think it will, but it will do something. Um, what that something is, is remains to be seen. We can't ignore it. We can't just stick our head in the sand and say, no, 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 all of these things are bad. It's not going to happen. It will. Something will happen. Um, and I'm very curious and intrigued with the use cases where it actually makes a positive impact beyond just speculation. Um, so that will be something to watch for next year. What else do you want to add, Steph? Um, yeah, so one that I've, I've been watching, um, super worry and... I know that you and I definitely agree on this particular topic, but I am gonna, I am predicting a rise in the buy now, pay later. Because as we go into a recession and, you know, the unemployment numbers are gonna keep rising, so many layoffs um, that so many people are experiencing right now, these fintechs are you know, basically offering the opportunity for folks to increase their purchasing power through these types of programs. Um, so I do see that that's going to increase in, in 2023. Definitely. It's going to be a booming year for these buy now, right, um, buy now, pay later fintechs because people are, are they're, they're, they're going to need, they're going to need access to more money to make these purchases. I would love to see the entities that are offering buy now, pay later. And I must stress again, I have nothing against the product, but if you're giving this product out to consumers, you better make sure that you provide them with the tool to manage it, not just your own products, but also everyone else, because consumers have multiple of these relationships. So if you're actually trying to do good for your consumers and do it right, give them something to manage all of these relationships, not just one thing. Yeah, and they're all different. Exactly, they're all different. different, right? Like they charge differently. The payment, the payment schedules are different. Different levels of fees and APRs, 
And as consumers are interacting with more than one, there's no way that they're going to keep track, right? Yeah. Nope. Nope. I absolutely agree. I agree. I, I do worry though. Um, I, I think just this week I was reading an article on even um, some of the Nordic countries and how the poverty level has increased and how more and more people are struggling to balance paying for food versus paying for utilities and your day-to-day. So if this is happening in countries where the social system is much more intact than what we have in the U.S., I do worry what's going to happen in here. Um, so, yes, that is, I, 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 I'm, unfortunately, I think I'm going to agree with you. That will be a prediction that I think is going to hold true. Um, Mary, you have more. Yeah, well, I was going to bring up buy now, pay later, but um, kind of related um, and wishful thinking maybe, but like, I'd like to see better customer service you know in a recession people certainly will be reaching out more to the lender or the bank and you know i think we saw this in the pandemic like all those hold times were absurd um and so i'm hoping the industry does something that makes you know accessing a person at a moment where you might be like in a really horrifying or emotionally very vulnerable place i just hope there's something um that's a bit better i know umqua's texting text to banker thing really took off um during the pandemic just like you know access to a person i know it's like that's not something that scales but i mean there's a lot of creative people um there's a lot of money still so like honestly (laughs) something should be done Great. I think we can we can do more. Um, I refied a year and a half ago, and I remember when I did that, it was because I was watching watching the news and looking at the rates, and it was coming down to a level where I'm like, okay, it makes sense to do it. I wish my mortgage servicer would have reached out proactively and say, hey, you know, we notice since you've been helping us for so many years in the past that you know this with this rate difference, you could have saved X. Why don't I do this for you? Because if she did that, she would have won me for life. I would have totally referred her to everyone that I know. Imagine someone in financial services actually proactively reaching out because they know doing something for you would help you. Come on, that's not hard, right? We have all the data, we have all the tools, perhaps, or wishful thinking. Um, Barb, what else do you have? Wishful thinking category. Um, So I wanted to bring a completely wild prediction with me. So my prediction is uh, a big tech's going to launch a new social network. And I picked Apple just because I haven't heard a word about them thinking about anything in that space. I wanted to say, hey, they're going to have some weird stealth thing going on and it pops up next year because now the opportunity is right. Ooh, that's fun. That is fun. Right? That would be fun. Apple might be doing doing interesting stuff. Um, what about Metaverse? Do you ladies have any prediction on Metaverse? Uh-uh. I need to experience more. I like. I'm usually pretty open to things, but I I've just dis- dismissed this a bit, probably because of like you know the Chase experience of like appearing at a branch or whatever. But <laughs> I need to experience it more because I think I'm being too critical um, before having enough in person or a. Hands-on experience, let's say. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it exists already. The number of hours my children spend in Minecraft, building in a virtual world, 
honestly, it's already there. If if that's either something we can all get behind, that that's the new metaverse or something that is more like that, I actually think it needs to be interesting to that cohort of people, probably. Um, they'll be the ones that figure out what that means, is my prediction on that. I, I agree. I was um, playing with uh, Sandbox the other day, and my 12-year-old, he came over, he looked at he's like, that graphic is awful. <laughs> and he said, oh, the refresh rate is bad. What do you do here? There's nothing. Like, it was like one critical comment after one critical comment after one critical comment. And these are kids who grow up on Roblox and, and Minecraft. They spend hours, as you say, Barb, on, on those two platforms. And they're like, here, mommy, look at this. This is so much more fun. I'm like, you know, you're right. So I think it's more than the technology part is the thinking about the utility, the use case. Why do I want to be on it? And why do I want to spend more than an hour on it? Um, it's not just attracting people, it's retaining people on that platform and what we can do with it. And it has to be more than just a digital portrait of certain bank, you know, uh, executive. Um, I don't want to go on there and look at someone's picture, but you know, it needs to do something for me. I think that will be interesting. I don't know if we're going to be able to figure that out next year, but um, I do think that the industry itself or wishful thinking that we will find out something more interesting for us to do on the virtual space um, that would get us hooked. So well, now I'm really curious, like I'd, I'd be curious to see like the breakdown in terms of consumer segments that are currently active in the metaverse by age group. <laughs> young. Young. Right. They are really young. So if you look at, for example, the Roblox cohort, they are, a lot of them are under 13, which was really surprising. Um, and then the next step is 13 to, to early 20s. And then they start graduating and migrating to Fortnite. Um, Fortnite is the next one up. But if you then compare that to Decentraland or Sandbox, it's like, you know, nothing. People only go, it seems like, when there are big concerts. So I did not realize this, but the um, Korean group, I think it's called Blackpink. My kids tell me all these things. Um, they hosted like a big virtual concert. It was Ariana Grande, I think. Now I'm dating myself. Um, and, I, and they said they had like 40 million people or something that tuned in. So... Think about that traction and think about what you can do with it because now we don't all have to travel to a physical location um, for concerts, even though I still would like that. But think about what we can do with technology and bringing more people together from different corners, not just sitting here and watching something, but actually have an immersive experience um, with it. Um, so who knows? I will say I like dancing with a robot. That's the one thing I've done. <laughs> like, that was a lot of fun for me, but I also had bourbon that night, so <laughs> who knows which is which. But um, Do we have video for that, Mary? I have it somewhere. <laughs> okay, because I, I, I know you did one with a mechanical horse, and that was in real life. That was a while ago. I don't remember seeing one with a robot. Oh, okay. For you, I'll show it. But um, Theo, I had another. I had another projection because the talk of like kids. I mean, I'm taking it in a darker place. But like, onward. Like, 
PFM tools for like different sorts of situations, right? So like the divorced um, couple or maybe never married, but like the ways to manage their money, there are tools popping up and I think they're still, I think they got funded even um, not too long ago, but like, um, I think you, it's not like it'll become mainstream, but I think we're going to see more of this, like tools that help, you know, the realities people are up against because not everything's like standard, of course. No, we could just look at Disney Disney movies, right? I think, isn't it most of them, they have a parent that's either not there or is broken. So, I mean, it is a reality of the world, unfortunately. Um, speaking of PFM tools, I think I'll throw this other one out. It's prediction that cash is not going to be dead next year. We keep saying cash is dead, cash is not dead. I We still use cash. And I remember reading... Um, a study recently that talked about looking at the efficacy of PFM tools and helping people budget. They have found that more people, younger people, are now going back to how our grandmothers used to budget. Envelopes, putting cash in the envelopes, having different envelopes so different categories of spending. And they found that that's actually even more effective way of making sure you don't overspend and budgeting than using the tools that we have. So and that took up on TikTok like that. Yeah. Yes, so, the envelope stuffing, right? It's yeah, called, yeah. Stuffing. And I think you just reminded me, one of my favorite stories I've worked on this year was like, you know, how some of the new banks um, started letting their customers deposit cash during the pandemic at retailers, you know, some charging a fee, which is important to note. But um, yeah, I think it's this really interesting tension of like, new company, old payment method, but still, still of use. It is because there is the pain of paying that we all, we always forget. I, and I still remember this because when the kids go to Hong Kong, they have a NFC watch. They just go take the step beep and off they go. They have absolutely no idea how much they spend, what they spend. They just keep spending. Whereas if you give them cash and I watch this with my daughter, she's like, wait, and I said, yeah, open your wallet and take it out. And she looked. And just that 10 seconds of her brain processing that she actually needs to take money out, she stopped. She's like, well, maybe I don't need this. So, I mean, it worked on my kids. Uh, I know we do live in a cave. So maybe it could work. Uh, maybe we can find a happy medium in between the two because, um, you know, we do need some help in reigning in our innate desire to do things. <laughs> That might not be the best for us. For example, me going to get ice cream in the middle of the night is probably not the best thing to do. Um, I would argue differently. <laughs> See, that's why I like you. Um, <laughs> all right. So I have one more thing is I hope it's not a wishful thinking. I'm going to make sure this happened, that the four of us can actually meet in real life and we will have a toast to the new year. So, um, Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for spending time with us today. Um, appreciate all of the support and help and laugh and thought-provoking ideas. Um, and for the rest of you, thank you so much for sticking with us. The show's been running for four years plus. Um, please don't get bored with us. We're still around. Um, and next year is going to be even more fun. So have a wonderful holiday. Happy New Year to everyone, and we will talk to you all in 2023.